0: Welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, congratulations, you made it. It's the Friday edition of Talk Back, and since we don't have the hunting or fishing shows, it's the full 90 minutes of uh, Talk Back, and the first half hour, of course, is open phones right now, but uh, I got to tell you, first of all, that brought to you this morning by Brooklyn Bagel & Baker, where they have authentic New York bagels and pastries come all the way from Little Italy, right here in Missoula, out on North Reserve at Brooklyn Bagel & Bakery. It's also brought to you by Phillips Janitorial. Now, you know by now that they offer both residential and commercial cleaning. So uh, give them a call. Uh, Whether it's your home or your business, you've got things to do. Let them clean for you. Call 406-260-6617. Nick Christensen, ladies and gentlemen, right there. Good morning. In all of his glory.
1: Yeah, I got to tell you, I'm sitting here looking at my uh, <laughs> headphone cord. Yes. And I just wonder how you guys did it back in the day with those corded phones that you could only, you know, drive. Because <laughs> this thing getting tangled up drives me absolutely bananas. And I don't know. I mean, I couldn't imagine having my phone that I use, you know, as often as people... Use their phones nowadays. Well, I, I with will the tell, cord Tangled all the time. I, I will
0: tell you. Uh, back in the day when we had corded phones, yeah. okay, and I, I remember especially uh, girls, right? Oh, yeah. uh, when they talked with their friends, they they, <laughs> they 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 would walk around and they would they would twist it and tie it, oh, and yeah. doing all this. And then when it got all tangled up, they they go to the top <laughs> of the stairs and and hang it down you know by the cord and Let it would spin out exactly. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah no my uh, my headphones are beyond that repair i can tell you that but yeah I well just, you're lucky
0: they still work
1: <laughs> yeah i am but yeah no i just i just that just popped into my head this morning looking at this yeah. like you know i I'm, i i I'm happy we live in a day where most things are cordless, because this drives me nuts. Well,
0: I I will tell you, it's fascinating to know how the sound goes through all those little cords and squiggles <laughs> right. and gets up to your ears yeah. in, in such a short amount of time.
1: It is. <laughs> it's fascinating.
0: <laughs> so anyway, uh, we're, we're dealing with weighty matters here yes. this morning, yes. ladies yes. and gentlemen. Now, the the weightiest matter, and I'm sure that's on everybody's mind right now, is what's going on with the um, this the this storm. The weather. That we talked about yesterday was supposed to be here this morning. It's now going to be here this afternoon. Yeah, where's the snow? Okay. I here, mean, this is just rain. I have this just in doot, 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 from Dennis Bragg, who's been uh, uh, joined at the hip with the folks at the National Weather Service. This is what he says. Uh, the National Weather Service just updated their winter storm warning. That's going to go through 11 o'clock Saturday morning. So here's what, here's what we're looking mm. for. Heavy snow, blowing snow, and flash freeze expected. Uh, total snow accumulations anywhere from 6 to 12 inches here in the valleys with up to 1 to 2 feet up in the mountains. Oh, wow. I'll take, you know, I'll take less than 6 if you don't mind. I'll take no. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> also, a flash freeze that means it's going to get cold very, very fast. Mm. And and what's going to happen with the flash freeze is this wonderful barren wet stuff you're driving on right now, just kind of sloshing through, right, little puddles. That is going to freeze almost instantly, and mm. it's going to be Hans Sprinker and the silver skates out there. Uh, so we just want you to be really, really careful. Uh, flash freeze, uh, areas of blowing and drifting snow will impact roadways as the Arctic boundary arrives tonight, and the impacts, according to the... Montana Department of Transportation travel could be very difficult, too impossible. They say. Wow. But you know what? You know what happens? Oh, people go. They'll, they'll go out. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Yeah.
1: I gotta get my coffee, or I gotta yeah. go do my shopping. Right.
0: Exactly. Yeah. I, but but yeah, that's for them, but not for me, because no. I'm special.
1: Well, well, what's? I mean, I told you yesterday. I said because mm. we thought it was coming yesterday. Said right after work, I'm going grocery shopping. You know, stocking up just in case. You know, right. the roads. Are bad and I did. Um, but yeah, for people that are listening, I mean, if you can get off early today or whenever you get off, you know, if you need to do a grocery run, do it. Cause yeah, we, you might not want to go out and on the roads this week. This is true. Uh, my wife and I make our, our
0: Costco run mm. every Saturday at 9 30 when they open. <laughs> That uh, might so not happen. We'll, we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, if I can get my helicopter going at my, my work. <laughs> anyway, it says here, travel could be difficult to impossible. Areas of blowing uh, snow could significantly reduce visibility, and a flash freeze will make roads and sidewalks very slick. The cold wind chills as low as 30 below zero Friday night. Tonight, that's tonight, by the way, just mm-hmm. a few hours, uh, could cause frostbite on exposed skin in as little as 30 minutes. So... What a bundle of joy we are. We have done our duty. Warning, warning, yeah. To let you know what's going on. The
1: worst part too, when that happens, like you said, is when it freezes and you got to deal with that black ice that maybe you don't see or don't Mm. notice. You know, you you look down at either the street or concrete and you're like, oh, that looks fine. Step and then you're just falling on your butt or something else and hurting yourself. So just yeah, be very careful. Wear the right shoes. Um, something that I've noticed since I moved, uh, cause now I live on North reserve is, and my grandma's complained about this for years, but I never, <laughs> you know, really took her up on it cause okay. I didn't drive this stretch very often, but that the reserve street bridge is not lit one at all. I was going to say very well, but there's no light. And I, I've always wondered, I was hoping someone could explain to me why, We don't have any lights on that bridge. I don't know if you know. I don't know if any of our listeners know because
0: they did
1: all that construction. They put in those concrete like medians, right? And and they got the little like stickers on there that are supposed to be reflective so you can see pretty good. But now that I've been driving that more, you know, during the night and stuff, going to and back from work, home, other things, it's like it is dark and dangerous on that road. It's kind of scary.
0: If our friend Bob Vosen is listening – I yeah. just interviewed Bob the other day for the, the. What are we talking about? The Russell Street expansion going on. Yeah. I should have asked him, uh, Bob, if you're listening right now. I'm sure he is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Fingers crossed. He has yeah. nothing
0: else to do as the Missoula. Uh, Division Director of the Montana Department of Transportation. He's just sitting around with nothing to do. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, you can if, if you want to call us, Bob, and maybe you can explain why
1: there yeah. aren't any uh, lights on the reserve. Because I know there there haven't ever been. Yeah. So I, yeah, I'm just curious why. Because it people drive that bridge all the time, and it's just it's a long stretch of road to be pretty dark with no lights. So. Maybe
0: what we could do is we could have a flash mob, nice. right, and have and have a person every five feet on the Reserve Street Bridge and hold up their phone with the light on and just you know, sing Perfect.
1: kubaya and give us the light and all that. What we could think? hire the Reserve Street campers <laughs> under the bridge. They could just come up and then, yeah, no, there they, you go. No, they're
0: not supposed <laughs> to be there now.
1: Well, yeah. Anyway,
0: true. well, we're, 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 we've managed to talk ourselves into our first break here. So 721 <laughs> What's on your mind? Come on, yeah. you can do better than that. Uh 7, 2, 1, 1290 is our number. It's open phones uh, from now until 9, and it'll be City Talk. So here we go. KGB. Okay, we are back on TalkBack this morning. Ladies and gentlemen, the calls are coming in this morning on open phones. I believe that uh, Skip is first. Skip, good morning. You're on TalkBack. Hi.
2: Good morning, Peter. And um, I I was thinking while you were talking, going into the break, um, I I would ask you to um, uh, tell us if, if you have done anything about or could do anything more about Getting uh, Maynan Ellingson uh, on your program, like you had discussed earlier in the week, so I, that I, I, so I, that I, I sent we, Nick her contact oh, information. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: that's right. I took a picture of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I got to reach out to her, now, Skip.
2: That'd be wonderful because uh, I mean, because of the history lesson, and the, and at this time, um, you know, once every two years, we have our our uh, session in Helena, and and it's it's a I mean, if if people could. Wrap their brain around how important that is, and our state constitution, and all the things that our legislators are dealing with. I just think it would be a, a wonderful time to have someone like her on. She may have questions, maybe you know that people could call in, maybe not. But just to just to learn how important it is and how special our state is with with a, uh, a quite a unique constitution. And then I was curious. Also, is is Rob coming back? Rob Nadelson coming back on the first Monday of the month, which would be the sixth of February, I think. Yep. I just thought I'd ask some things because a lot of people care about what's going on right now. Once every two years for three months, and thank <laughs> you
1: for that. Yeah, yeah. Rob, Rob will be on uh, on the first Monday, I believe. That's the. 7th of February, or 6th of February. The 6th, okay. correct. Um, yeah, that, that show that he was on this week, that was kind of a special bonus show because he was right. in town. So. Exactly.
0: All right, thanks for the call, Skip. Uh, let's move on, and I believe it is Jeff. Jeff, good morning. You're on TalkBack. Hi. Hey,
3: good morning. Happy Friday. good news sir. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, added note of caution. It looks like uh, snow's going to continue... Th- past uh, midnight, and then um, the winds start up while it's snowing, but then temperatures start dropping pretty significantly early morning tomorrow. So anybody who wants to get out, get anything done, probably needs to do it today rather than tomorrow.
0: Good idea, Jeff.
3: Yeah. And one, one comment, too, I haven't heard this talked about anywhere, but uh, and maybe that's more of an explanation of my mind than anything else. But um, there's a large population, uh, both in uh, local and throughout the state, who oppose any transfer of federal lands to the state or local entities, right?
0: Uh, there, there, Yeah, there, there are folks who do oppose that, th- thinking that we'll somehow sell them out from under or whatever.
3: Yeah, well, correct me if I'm wrong, but I took a look at the Montana Cadastral and the federal building was owned by the feds and now it's owned by the city, right? Correct. So we've transferred federal lands to the city and the folks some of the folks who would complain about that are really ecstatic. So <laughs> I'm just kind of wondering what the boundaries around that are. Is it the amount of land? Is well, it where it's located?
0: I, I actually I think I think it's just a, a building versus wilderness
3: yeah but it's a transfer of federal land to state and local entities so, this is this is true um, this is true Yeah. so it, it seems like uh it'd be interesting to get some perspective from people well well uh, the, 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 the the
0: the 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 arguments the arguments that i i i, I remember with uh with a smile are when there were some thoughts of, of transferring land to the states and then the, the people rose up saying, oh, I know what's going to happen. They're, they're going to them, sell them to McDonald's and they're going to sell them to, to, to you know Burger King and they'll have big archers and stuff and the, you're, you're entering the Burger King National <laughs> Forest and it's going." And I'm, and I'm just going, what in the world are you talking yeah, about? never allow that. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, because the states are so hungry for money they'll sell it to anyone. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm, hysteria always plays
3: really well, playing on people's fears does. Um, but there's there, I, just kind of a small example. Uh, my my wife's uh, great grandparents uh, had a homestead out by in Lewis and Clark County, just kind of north northwest of Craig, and uh, that was 100, 160 acres and. Uh, 120 of those 160 acres are owned by the state, but there's a little carve-out that uh, is owned by a private company up there. Um, but it's it's kind of interesting that out in the middle of this private ranch is this little 120-acre section of state land. And, you know, if, if, if that were to get sold, you know, nobody would even know. It wouldn't have any consequences. But still, uh, you know, it's... I'm sure somebody would get upset because we've traded off state lands to private entities.
0: Well, I I, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, it evidently, worked out well for your family, right? So,
3: uh, well, no, this happened years, decades ago. Oh, I think okay. Was, uh, probably over a hundred years ago. Oh, so, well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's uh, it's actually uh, ranch is owned by a software developer out in California. And he has he comes up here from time to time uh, to to visit. So it's more of Californicating Montana, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but they're uh, but they're using it productively for grazing. So you know it's uh, it benefits us locally here as well. So
0: all right, buddy. Thanks for the call. You bet. Appreciate it, Jeff. Thank you. Okay, we are. Uh, I guess we have time to take one more call, and let's so let's get Ed on the line. Ed, good morning. You're on talkback. Hi.
4: Yes, uh, you you had a fellow uh, a couple days ago uh, talk about energy. Yeah, he came from uh, Montech or someplace. Bradley Bradley
0: Bradley Leighton was his name. Yes, sir.
4: Yeah, and in passing, he mentioned uh, nuclear fusion. Just used the word fusion, I think, uh, for a potential energy source. I want to bring up some numbers here because there was that really neat experiment that was done at uh, Lawrence Livermore Labs, I think, in uh, in California. Really neat, but they had 192 lasers, big lasers, pointed at uh, a target. Target uh, was going to undergo nuclear fusion when they hit it with uh, two megajoules of energy. Let's just call them energy units, two, okay? They hit it with two uh, energy units of of laser uh, energy. And they got, after fusion occurred, they got three energy units released. And, And that is truly a big accomplishment. But to get that two uh, energy units of uh, laser energy. It took them 300 energy units from the electrical grid. Wow. <laughs> so, they're, so they're still behind. They're uh, still behind 298. Right, right. <laughs> uh, but, but, you know, I'm, I'm not really making fun of it, but it's, it's just to point out that this is a long, 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 long way. It's a way to get something sustainable. Uh, so, in any event, when anybody says nuclear fusion in the future, I don't think in our lifetime, <laughs> I really don't think, uh, All right. All we'll, right. we'll see it on the electrical grid.
0: Sounds good, Ed. Thanks for the call, sir. Appreciate it. Sure. Okay, and we have Dave waiting. We're up against a break. Seven two one twelve ninety is our number, and in about 10 minutes, we'll be switching over to City Talk. So stay with us, and phone lines are still open for open phones for the next few minutes. And we are back on Talkback. Seven two one twelve ninety is the number. And Dave has been waiting on uh, during the break. So, Dave, good morning. You're on Talkback. Go ahead, sir.
5: Yeah. Good morning. You know, I hear all the time that you know we need workers. For businesses are just crying for workers. Right. Right. Then I look. Yes. And then I look at our immigration laws, and they're all messed up. I mean, let's say you're an immigrant coming in, you're sitting on the border. You have two choices. You can come in legally, get registered, and you sit in the country for six months and can't work. That's the law while you wait for your case to be uh, adjudicated. Or you can try sneaking over, and if you succeed, you can go right to work, get some fake IDs, and go right to work. But if you get caught, you get sent back, which happens. uh, They keep Six or seven or ten times they get sent back, but they keep speaking in. So, I mean, in my view, we need we need to turn things around, make it more beneficial for people to come in legally
0: so, and so get what,
5: temporary work.
0: So, what's the solution? And, what, do you, what do you think, Dave? What what no, seriously? Because uh, obviously, the immigration system is broken, right? And so, uh, what what do you think should be the first steps? I, I'm asking seriously.
5: Well, okay. Person shows up the border to get you, you sign them up. You check their background, make sure they don't have a criminal record that you can find out, and then uh, allow them to apply for a work visa. A work visa to go work somewhere in the United States while their case is being uh, run through the court and checked out, and see if they can get. Maybe they don't want to get permanent. Re- Maybe they just want to earn some money for a few few years and then go back to where they came from. I mean, and and those people who sneak in, uh, maybe they should be punished and said they can't come in for a year or so because they got caught sneaking in. They have to wait a year before they can, can go through the, the legal process to get in. I mean, we have to make it beneficial for people who want to come in and do it legally and and penalize people who try to sneak in and, so, so and I, there are people
0: I, I guess I guess the the, the complication there is what uh, what about the cartels they are you can't you can't deny that the cartels are doing things they're using human beings as mules for drugs and all sorts of things and sex trafficking and i realize that's rather extreme but it is happening and and the, these folks are not going to stop at the border and say hey may i come in
5: Right, it's true. Uh, most of those drugs come in through the through the road system and the railroad system. They come through in cars, and and, uh, and we hope to catch them at the border, but we don't. Um, uh, very there is some that go illegal aliens carry in, but you know if they get caught, there's potential for a criminal uh, punishment for carrying drugs in. Um, you know the system has to be turned around, right. and but. But most of the drugs come in through through the border system, that right, right through in front of our noses. All right. And we need to stop both.
0: Dave, thanks for the call. We've got to get one more call in before we have to take a break. Emmett, we've got about a minute and a half. Go ahead, sir.
6: Thanks for taking my call. Well, I learned on the 700 Club something interesting. And I've known that, you know, we have to support Ukraine. But, of course, now, of course, thankfully, many countries are stepping up. Russia has threatened either nuclear war, or they've also um, uh, been shown on the 700 Club with videos um, testing hypersonic missiles to shoot down, of course, the ships that would be carrying the tanks, you know, the tanks and the other heavy weaponry. That could start World War III. If, if Russia fires on one of the German tanks, you know, or, I mean, or, one of the ships carrying the German tanks, that's an attack on NATO. We would have to go to World War III, and that could be a nuclear war in a few months. We're just going to have to lead this, I think, up to the Lord, and just leave this in the Lord's hands. Why? I think it'd be the 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 right or the appropriate judgment of God for the sins of this nation, and and the sins of the world. We're entering into some dark times, and we need to be at prayer. That's all I can think of to say, you know, in a you know, one and a half minutes.
0: All right, thanks, Emmett. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Seven two one twelve ninety is our number. We're uh, unfortunately we're out of time for open phones. We appreciate. All the folks who have called in, we are going to be switching gears here just a few minutes for City Talk and our guest in studio is going to be Whitney Bennett. She's the new public information officer for the Missoula City Police Department, along with Ginny Miriam, who is the communications director for the city of Missoula. Taking your phone calls at 721-1290, we will be right back. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Hour number two of the Friday edition of Talk Back is underway, and it's brought to you by Brooklyn Bagel and Bakery. For all your New York favorites, like lox and New York cheesecake and cannolis, uh, Brooklyn Bagel and Bakery located on North Reserve. Also brought to you by Phillips Janitorial, where they offer residential and commercial cleaning. Their powerful steam extraction method brings those tired and dirty carpets right back to life. Now, no job is too big or small, so if you'd like a free estimate, here's the number, 406-260-6617. City city talk awaits, but we, uh, we're we going to do a little county talk first. We're going to go right to the phones and say hello to our friend Kirsten Pabst, Missoula County Attorney. Kirsten, good morning and welcome.
7: Good morning. Thank you very much. We had a super busy week. We charged 19 new criminal complaints, which was up substantially from the 14 and 13 streak we've been on. Um, eight of those were violent crimes. One involved an alleged assault against a woman's elderly grandfather, and another alleged an assault on a pregnant female. In the endangerment category, we charged two felony DUIs as well as one pursuit case. Property crimes, we had a forgery. In the drug crimes category, we charged five new cases, One two involving um, fentanyl, one involving alleged fentanyl, meth, guns, and money, and then another. Two people were charged for allegedly... Um, Having heroin, methamphetamine, cocaine, guns, and money. So busy, busy week in that category. Um, in the administrative crimes um, section, we charged a failure to register as well as a fugitive from justice out of the state of Washington.
0: All right. Now, I understand you have some other items you'd want to talk about, some inquests and upcoming trials. So if you would like to share that with us, go ahead.
7: Sure. So um we had we've got, we're preparing for a couple of jury trials. As you know, they schedule in several deep, and so it looks like next week we've got two on the docket that are looking like they might go. For the week of uh, February thirteenth, we've got seven that are scheduled to go. One of those. Um, Actually, the following week, which was set to go, the 15th, was Colton Merritt, which is a homicide case. It looks like that one's going to be postponed, and we had talked earlier about preparing for that. Um, We also this week um, did a coroner's inquest. Um, On January 23rd, the inquest was held regarding the death of Jesse James Kale Brown, who was killed by law enforcement during an investigation into a serious domestic disturbance. The jury returned a verdict that the shooting was justified. Um, At this public inquest, jurors heard testimony from Missoula city police officers, state department of criminal investigation agents, Montana crime lab pathologist, as well as uh, Mr. Brown's daughter. And here quickly is what the jury learned. On November 7th of 2020, Missoula police officers had responded to the call of domestic violence The 911 caller reported that the suspect had physically assaulted family members and was wielding a knife. The 911 caller let the first officer on scene and inside where Jesse Brown had a knife in hand and refused to drop it. The officer then attempted less than lethal options, including his taser, which was ineffective. In securing the scene, the suspect ran towards the officer and threw his knife at the officer and the officer had no choice but to fire. Police then attempted to render medical aid to Mr. Brown until medical staff appeared on scene. The suspect ultimately passed away from gunshot wounds on the scene. But we would like to thank the jury for its service as well as thank our law enforcement partners for their commitment to keeping our community safe even in the face of grave danger.
0: That has got to be so hard, uh, Kirsten, for, for, for law enforcement, for everybody in the community to go through an experience like that. And it's good to know that there are so many uh, levels of accountability that, that we go through to make sure that everything is done correctly.
7: Yes, it's really hard on the officers. Waiting um, for resolution is really hard on the officers, but, you know, they did the right thing. The jury recognized that they did the right thing, and hopefully um, we can put this chapter to rest.
0: Excellent. Kirsten, as always, thank you so much for that report. We appreciate it very much.
7: Yeah, you're welcome. All Have right. a safe weekend.
0: Yeah, the same to you. Thank you so much. So we're, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, City Talk is is uh, speaking of the police department. We're going to be talking with Whitney Bennett. She's the, uh, the new public information officer. So we're going to come right back and uh, start that conversation right after this. We are back on TalkBack. 721-1290 is our number. We are shifting gears now to City Talk and I want to say welcome to Whitney Bennett. She's the new public information officer for the Missoula City Police Department. Ginny Miriam also joining us. Nick Christensen's right over there waiting to take your phone calls. So first of all, Whitney, you and I had a chance to visit when you, when you first came on board. Uh, when you were in, in in the office there and we had a nice conversation. So tell me a little bit about Whitney Bennett. How long he have been with the in Missoula and then the police department that sort of thing.
8: Yeah so born and raised Missoula Montana. Been with the Missoula Police Department for over four years now.
0: Okay and uh, so what 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 were your duties when you were uh, just on patrol what?
8: Yep so I during patrol it was responding to calls for service and then I did few months of school resource officer, which was pretty
0: rewarding. Yeah, I, I've often wondered about the school resource officers because those those folks. I know Jim uh, Jim Johnson was mm-hmm. a, a dear dear friend of our of our family for many many years, absolutely beloved over at Hellgate High School. I think he's finally retired now. Mm-hmm. But uh, what, what what is where did you serve as a school resource officer? What schools?
8: Yeah, so I actually was more of like a rove okay. kind of position. So, right, yeah. So there's the three middle schools and then the elementary schools as well. So I was going from school to school to school. I wasn't stationary.
0: Okay. And so what what kind of things did you talk to the kids about?
8: (laughs) Well, a lot of it was response when the school needed for, you know, if there was a a fence that they had broken, such Mm -hmm. as like an MIP or disorderly conduct, or if they're just going through a hard time and need someone to talk to, and then we can provide additional resources from there.
0: Okay, well, that's great. So so uh, the overall uh, reaction from the kids, uh, now, were you in uniform at the time? How, how does that work?
8: Yes, yeah, so it, it is uniform. Um, a lot of the kids respond very well, but there are some children in the schools that have been through traumatic experiences, and their only contact with officers is in uniform and negative mm-hmm. in the home. So it's it's kind of hard to break break that contact of, hey, we're actually good. We're here for you. Right. Right. Um, but it's it's very rewarding. Well,
0: I, I would imagine in a situation like that, time will uh, and time that, and the fact that you're there all the time and you're steady and dependable and and they, they can get that trust back with law enforcement.
8: Yeah, I did see a lot of that and you know a, a lot of hugs. Good <laughs> kids are great.
0: <laughs> it was great. We 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 love hugs. Hugs are good. They don't respond very well to me now. But what the heck? All right. So so day, day to day uh, talk talk about uh, your duties as. Um, as public information officer, what yeah. what kind of things do you do on a day-to-day basis?
8: Yeah, so I'm responsible for communicating with the public, media, and then if necessary, other agencies with incident-related information. So I also run the social media platforms such as Facebook, Instagram. Um, I, I do the best I can to provide a positive public image of the police department. And my goal is to provide good public information to the media and the public while protecting People's rights.
1: Sure.
0: Yeah. But that—that's got to be a fine line to walk. Sometimes uh, and it, you know, it takes some training. That you've obviously had training to do this. So tell me about that a little bit.
8: Yes. I mean, everybody in the police department has to go through training to understand what's public information and what's confidential because you don't want to violate <laughs> people's rights. I mean, you do. That's that's why we're here, right? Um, you know, it's. It's kind of a fine line, but you want to protect victims and their rights. Mm-hmm. And Montana citizens have enhanced rights, and we're now, not going to violate that. In,
0: in, in what way? Uh, if you could just expand on uh, expanded rights, what do you mean?
8: Well, Who, I mean, yeah, I don't that's okay. Know if we have anything on that? But, uh, <laughs> that's okay. That's just all right. far as far as from other states, that I'm, we I'm just sorry. we protect our ahead, citizens. Jane. Yeah, go ahead, Jane.
7: Say so, so. You're saying the same way that we have. Uh, property rights mm-hmm. protection. We also have personal rights protection, maybe stronger than other states. Absolutely. Well, hmm. That's, that's interesting. good to know.
0: That's good to know.
1: Yeah, I'm just curious, Whitney, what, I mean, you said that the school resource position was rewarding. You didn't do that for a super long time, but what made you decide you wanted to be the PIO? I know that position kind of yeah. opened abruptly, <laughs> but is that something you kind of always wanted to do or just something you thought would be a good fit?
8: So I was interested when it first came out before our previous officer, Lydia Arnold, but I didn't have enough years on or experience, Um. I felt, to apply, and she did awesome. But as part of the Missoula Police Department, I am always looking to improve our public image, and I kind of wanted to try my hand at it. Um, I think also I wanted to step out of patrol for a little bit. Um, Believe it or not, it is mentally draining. Oh, yeah. And, you know, (laughs) some of the things you have to see and do— I mean, I know it's what I signed up for, but this is a nice change of pace.
0: All right. So, so are there? Have you have you experienced any challenges on the job yet? I I realize working with somebody like Nick. Yeah.
7: (laughs) Yeah. Nick is such a problem for us. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) So, I
8: think. I mean, my main goal is communication, and that's actually been kind of a struggle and a challenge. Um, Just being able to communicate with so many different people, remembering who I told what on an update on an incident, and who mm-hmm. I haven't told. Right. Um, the media's been great so far. They've been great to me. I've been able to get back to people in a reasonable amount of time with responses.
0: Now, there, there are times when uh, I remember Lydia and before that, Travis, when, when there was an incident, an on scene incident, where where there was an extended period of time, where let's, let's say there was a, a a situation where you had to close down a street or whatever, and and of course that that's when the public is totally hungry for any information you can they can get. So how do you deal with the as far as the public information officer for the police department? What are the ground rules? The the things that you can say and the thing that you things that you can't say.
8: Well, what I'm gonna provide to media and anybody in the areas, things that's going to help their safety and help protect them. But there's also, you know, things that aren't important for the public to know at the time so that officers can do their job and do it properly and handle the situation without putting anybody else at risk.
0: Sure. Sure. So uh, that, now, again, that, that's a fine line to walk, right?
8: It is, it so, is.
0: <laughs> so now, uh, who, who, do you, who do you go to for advice? I mean, do you, can you call Lydia? Can you call some of these other folks that have done this before uh, to be, uh, maybe just learn some extra techniques to help your, do your job better?
8: Yeah, I mean, the Missoula Police Department is full of professionals and educated people, so anytime I'm hesitant, there's anybody available that I can go to. I've reached out to Lydia I've reached out to supervisors. We've got really great sergeants, lieutenants, corporals. We've got them all.
0: How how many how many members? Uh, just ballpark. How, how many people are, are in, in the Missoula Police Department? How many personnel?
8: Um, I don't know exact numbers. We're always yeah. revolving, um, <laughs> right? Um, you know, if you include like patrol, detectives, specialties, you know, over 120. Yeah, members yeah. you know supervisors
0: all right so tell you what we're, we're up against a break Seven two one twelve ninety is our number if you have a question for for whitney bennett she is the new public information officer for the missoula police department uh, lines are open at seven two one twelve ninety, or if you have the kgvo app you're more than welcome to use the app to uh, hit the message us button we'll share that uh, that question or comment uh with whitney who's here to to talk with you today so we'll be right back after this And we are back on Talkback seven two one twelve ninety is our number one 5309 Whitney Bennett joining us here in the studio along with Jenny Miriam. Whitney is the new Public Information Officer for the Missoula City Police Department, stepping in for Lydia Arnold, who is uh, now back on patrol. Let's go to the phones and get Susan on the line. Hi, Susan. Good morning.
9: Hi there. Well, as I told Nick, I'm on. I'm headed out to go swimming. So I'm before I do that, I wanted to ask. And I don't know whether you can answer this, but it would be really helpful if the police department would compile, if they haven't already, some kind of statistics on any kind of correlation between the open borders in the South and the amount of fentanyl and other illegal drugs and human trafficking Um, And other crimes that they have seen because anecdotally, I am hearing from police officers that they have seen in the last two years um, a huge swell of serious crime in Missoula that they have never seen before. And it is alarming to many of us. I've lived here 30 years and uh, this used to be a very almost mayberry kind of a community and um, my children grew up here and now i have two little granddaughters i would no more imagine letting my little granddaughters bicycle to the convenience store than fly to the moon so um not to mention the bad traffic so if you could comment on that i would really appreciate it i don't know if you even have it but do you know if there's been statistics uh, compiled
0: all right Thanks. thank you thank you susan uh, go ahead
8: yeah susan i and i completely understand your concerns especially with a you know when you have your family growing in this town i i cannot personally provide statistics um, that's not within my my job frame there but there are people you know as far as like our haida task force they, they can gather those statistics, and they're going to be better educated on you know the more than just within the city, which is kind of my jurisdiction here. But you know they're they're always working. We're always doing the best we can to prevent these crimes and narcotics from coming into our town. There's we're doing the best we can, basically. And, and, and,
1: and I, and I will, go ahead, Jack, I was I'm just going to say, and I know that uh, Haida kind of started doing. They were going to do. I don't know if it was quarterly or monthly, they were going to start providing some of those stats. And as you mentioned earlier, that's one of the benefits of social media, because then you can reach a wide audience by posting some of those numbers and educating the public on those things so that they're not just kind of going off of what they hear, rumors and stuff, right?
8: Exactly. And and soon I will have some of those statistics that are released, and then I can, you know, go on social media and then Present that to the public so that people are made aware.
0: And, and it, is, it is interesting to note what what uh, the blend of all the different agencies that work together mm-hmm. a, on the drug problem—the Haida Task Force, uh, city, county sheriffs, highway patrol, you know, U.S. marshals—all all, all of those folks are working together and uh, a funnel where it all goes into one one specific spot. I think that's what Susan was asking about: is is there one, uh, I guess, clearinghouse where all that information is being? Disseminated.
8: I know that there's federal statistics, and they kind of they get you know local, county, and all that. They get the majority of what you're going to see.
0: Sure. All right. So let's get another call up. This is Emmett. Emmett, thanks for holding. You're on with Whitney Bennett. Go ahead.
8: Uh, thanks for
6: taking my call. Well, it's interesting. You're a school resource officer, and I had some questions about that role. In some ways, I think it's good. A uh, school resource officer in case kids are being bullied you obviously would intervene if kids are being bullied or if a violent crime has been committed because i was bullied in school sometimes in elementary and junior high and i could have needed or used a school resource officer to protect me from a bunch of bullies but it also i think might have be kind of a double-edged sword cuz is a school resource officer simply there to protect the children from violent crime or is a school resource officer unfortunately also a behavioral specialist to intervene in strange behaviors? I don't think that's good because I was also a very strange, unusual kid. I would talk to inanimate an objects, play science fiction games, pretend to fire lasers from a power watch, tell all the other kids I was from another planet, and I wouldn't want a school resource officer saying, hey Emmett, let's have a little chat about your strange behaviors. That's for the uh, teachers to do if You know, know, that's for their teachers. It's not for a school resource officer, and it's not a crime with all due respect to... All right,
0: let's let her answer. Uh, These are very, come with some very good questions, so go ahead. Yeah, so I'll I'll start
8: there. Um, So I understand and completely respect where you're coming from, and no, school resource officers are not behavior specialists. That would be a mental health care professional or, you know... Mm -hmm just the nurse, clinical nurse that is there on site. Um, as far mm-hmm. as bullying goes, yes, we do respond and we investigate. It's not that we just go and shame a kid for what they're doing. Um, from my time in school resource officer, what I had seen from kids who were bullying is that there's a root mm-hmm. cause. So I'm there to investigate why this kid is behaving in such a manner and do and explain you know our laws and, and why their behavior is not acceptable and then we go from there.
6: That's wonderful. Yeah, because I'm a very strange person. I mean, even in junior high with my close friends, I would wrestle around with them, you know, on the schoolhouse you know, lawn just after lunch, and that's a good thing. I wouldn't want a resource officer saying, hey, you kids can't wrestle around with each other or be affectionate because I love them like brothers. They were my brothers to me, and it broke my heart when I left Lewiston. So in some ways it's a good thing. And it's other ways, you know, I just want to make sure the kids are, you know, safe, you know, with the resource officers, you know, to simply hit so they're protected from bullies, but not to be a behavioral specialist or intervene in other ways which for things that are not crime So I guess that's my question point for All the right. day. But thanks for answering that. I'm thank a, you. Thank you, a, th-
0: Thanks for the call. And, and any other uh, comments? Because there's, there's a lot contained in that conversation.
8: There was a lot. And I think that, you know, as far as school policies go with – whatever wrestling on the playground they they handle that and we're we're response you know as a school resource officer if there's if it's not just wrestling and it's escalated to you know, disorderly conduct, physical contact. Then that's when we respond and go from there. But other than that, I'd refer you to school policy.
0: <laughs> you bet. All right, so let's uh, let's uh, we got yeah. Let's take a break. We're going to right. We we have Jeff and Marilyn both wanting to visit with you, and we have several other lines open. Our guest in studios, Whitney Bennett. She is the uh, new public information officer for the Missoula Police Department, and we'd love to hear from you if you have a question or comment. We'll be right back. and we are back on TalkBack 7211290 is our number our guest in studio is Whitney Bennett she is now is is it is it uh, uh, lieutenant or sergeant or is it just pio
8: just officer just officer
0: yep. okay just officer <laughs> officer bennett all right <laughs> let's let's get back to, to phones and say hello to jeff hey jeff good morning
3: hey good morning good morning officer bennett good morning um, i uh, i'm kind of a uh, a student of uh, post-trauma stress, I refuse to call it PTSD because I don't think it's a disorder. I think it's our body's normal response to a trauma, and uh, that's been noted in the in the military a lot. That the hardest thing to do is to take the life of another person, and people never really, a lot of people never really reconcile that in in their minds. I mean, it's it's such a significant trauma to them, and. Uh, the county attorney, Kirsten Paps, was talking about, I believe it was a coroner's jury, jury recently that uh, found the uh, the officer had was used justifiable force. Um, but the effects on that officer, I know we can't talk about that specifically because of privacy things, but uh, I guess I'd like to know what sort of resources does the police department have to help officers who have... Had to take a life and now have to live with that for the rest of their lives.
8: Yeah, and within the Missoula Police Department, that unfortunately has occurred. So, the Missoula Police Department provides wonderful services and counseling, and you know, an officer does have to be cleared after some counseling to make sure they're good to go. And of course, it does go against human nature to take the life of another, so you know, it's not great and i won't get into details i personally have not experienced it however you know i do know of a few officers myself and and you see a change in someone and it is it is sad but the police department takes care of care of our officers
3: okay i was just uh hoping that there was some um i guess i want to say preemptive that's not the right word but some Some stuff that happens to every officer has had to do that because, I mean, some people do seem to be able to bounce back, but others uh, may kind of go into a shell. I mean, you hear stories about folks coming back from wars and never wanting to talk about it. You hear a lot of, uh, well, the suicide rate in Montana among veterans is either the highest or second highest in the nation. So um, it's a real problem, and I just... You know, urge the police department to uh, continue to acknowledge that and and uh, be proactive. I guess is the word I'm looking for in terms yeah. of making sure that the Absolutely. health of the officers is as good as possible.
8: Yeah, and ev- everybody responds to traumatic experiences differently. You know, it could be, you know, something less than the next officer experienced something but it just hit them differently and we do have a peer support program within the police department and that that's other officers you know and it's confidential Um, and then you go into the professional level of what kind of providers there are to help us through these times.
3: Yeah, nothing is harder than having to carry that by yourself. So
8: absolutely, uh, I agree. Thanks a lot for letting me ask that question. Yeah, thank
3: you. You
0: bet. And and and, and that's why that's why there are so many uh, uh, places where an officer can reach out, and and especially yeah, you know, and and you want them to reach out. You don't want yes. them to let it sit inside forever and ever. I mean, uh, that, that's Correct. In order to remain, remain healthy, you have to get it out.
8: Absolutely, I agree.
0: So. All right. So um, let's uh, go ahead and take another call. This is Marilyn. Marilyn, thanks for holding, first of all. You're on with Whitney Bennett. Go ahead.
10: Good morning. So, uh, Whitney, um, I have, okay, I'm pretty old now. I've had a lot of always respect and honor for the police and the job that they do and things that they have to face every day. So I've also been a pro-life activist down in front of the Blue Mountain Clinic and places around the country where I've lived and visited, where they murder unborn children. And what I have found is that the police are very, uh, they have a real lack of knowledge. I mean, you guys, you know, you and Jenny Miriam said Montanans have, you know, were re- re- We respect Montanans' rights, we have all these rights, but I have noticed a lack of basic knowledge from the police about my rights, my First Amendment, to be able to be out there on a public sidewalk. They've told me I can't be on a public sidewalk. They have told me I can't speak. They have misinterpreted um, laws. They have, you know, and what bothers me also is that they... They're called to protect and serve, and yet there's murder happening inside the clinic, and they come out and harass me at the beck and call of the abortionist every time, quickly, while I'm sure there's worse crime going on. I mean, okay, the crime's going on in the clinic. They're coming out to me to bother me uh, while I'm exercising my right.
8: And, Marilyn, you're right. Uh, you and, you, know, you do have...
10: So I'm wondering if training has happened with the police, because recently I had a case immediately dismissed when I was ticketed unjustly. So, yeah, any training going on there with the police? To Yeah, so,
8: Marilyn, we are always training. We, you know, require monthly training on all broad-spectrum topics. Um, If we kind of target what you're talking about, I apologize if you've ever had any wrongdoing. I'm not... I'm not the one who cited you, and I wasn't there for the situation. I don't know exactly what happened, and I'm not going to get into that. However, you, know, you do have every right to be on a public sidewalk, and your freedom of speech is valued. Um, like I said, I don't know who responded and what the situation is. Every, every scenario is different with our responses and calls for services.
10: Um, well, just may I say, Jim Johnson knows me. We've been, he, and he would drive by occasionally just to see that everything was going okay with mm-hmm. me because he knew what was going on mm-hmm. out there also. And But, yeah, it's been many officers over many years, and it just really is very frustrating that they don't, I, I and I understand they're not going to be able to know every jot and tittle of every single law, but the basics, they need to know the basics.
8: Yep, and we we do have extensive training. You know, when we go to the academy, we have a long period focused on laws and we go over that. So like I said, I don't know the scenario that, you know, you were in and what had happened. However, we, we do protect your rights and we acknowledge your freedom of speech. I don't know if there was, you know, more to the situation and why there was an officer response
0: um, now, now Marilyn was was it because you you perhaps were uh, deemed too close to the clinic or they wanted you to move back away or I, 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 I,
10: I'm I, out on the public sidewalk the public every sidewalk. time. Okay. Public sidewalk. I don't go beyond their gate into their parking okay. lot ever. Gotcha. And yet they will say that I'm obstructing, that I'm blocking access. They'll they got a law passed in the Montana legislature when the Democrats were in charge and it was totally packed full of lies, and I'm trying to get that law overturned because it was recently, this this recent case was dismissed when I had some lawyers get involved. The city dismissed it immediately because they knew it was unconstitutional, and we were going to lo- bring a lawsuit, but they dropped it. And so that law needs to be overturned. And, you know, in light of Dobbs, I mean, these children are, I don't care what kind of amount of good that Blue Mountain Clinic is doing there. They're still murdering children, about 20 every Wednesday. That's their numbers.
0: Marilyn, we're, uh,
10: yeah.
0: we're up against a break, kiddo. Thanks for the call. Oh, yeah, all right. 721-1290 is our number. Uh, all, all the lines are open. We're going to we'll take a commercial break. We'll be right back with more. Our our guest here in the studios, Whitney Bennett. She is the public information officer for the uh, city police department. If you have a question or comment, we'd love to hear from you. We'll be right back. Okay, we are back on Talkback. 721-1290 is our number, and we have Nick on the line. Uh, Good morning, Nick. You're on with Whitney Bennett. Go ahead, sir.
11: Good morning. I uh, got a quick question for you. I I don't live in Missoula, but I do live in Stevensville, so this is kind of, I mean, I'm sure everybody gets trained the same way as far as law enforcement is concerned. But I have a question as far as, like, you guys getting calls from, like, neighborly disputes, and nine times out of ten, from my experience it's not necessarily a law that's been broken or anything like that somebody's just not heard about something else that somebody else is doing is there something that you guys can do that mitigates that as far as like I mean I understand that there are certain things that you guys have to respond to there's no there's no choice but um, like as far as like wasting county funds or whatever um, for things that aren't criminal?
8: Well, I wouldn't ever say that you're wasting funds, because that's what we're here for, whether it be, you know, police, a deputy, any kind of law enforcement, that that's what we're here for, is to help respond. And, you know, the quality of life is important to us, and even, you know, civil neighborly disputes. Um, it just, with those It just depends on the scenario and what's going on. Because sometimes it could be a disorderly conduct situation where, you know, someone's disturbing the peace of their neighbor due to X, Y, and Z. Or, you know, criminal trespass to property. If your neighbor is coming onto your property when it's clearly marked not to, there's a wide variety of, you know, the different scenarios between neighborly disputes.
11: Okay, so if it falls under something that you didn't mention, like that's actually legitimately non-criminal... And it's just constantly call after call after call. Is there, is there a protocol that you guys have to follow or anything like that? Like just saying, oh, you know, I don't like my neighbor's sign in the yard or I don't like the fact that their security camera's pointed at my house, or, you know, something along those lines?
8: Yeah, so it, it depends on the officer because, you know, in reality, we do have a job title and sometimes we have to cut that line of this is not criminal, Sorry, we can't help you, depending on the scenario an officer. If it's something that could turn into a more severe situation, then we will respond and sometimes it takes even a simple officer to go and speak with the neighbor or neighbors and just you know say, "Hey, how can we come to a resolution here what What can we do to help you guys both live and have that quality of life?"
11: Fair enough. All right, that's that's all I got. You, you guys have a good day. All right, Thank you,
0: thanks for the call, Nick. Thank Appreciate you. that. That's a very good question. Uh, be, very good. Because uh, they, when you look at the at the, uh, the Montana Code annotated, right, mm-hmm. uh, each of those is very clearly spelled out. But there's always little you know nuances here and there. Uh, somebody wonders if somebody is uh, you know uh, committing a crime, uh, I, and, and if you don't know. Uh, does the police department mind if somebody asks you, I, I don't know if this is a crime or not. Can you come and talk with us about it and see if there's some resolution here?
8: Absolutely. There's always that officer advice call that comes through our calls for service and, and it's good for the public to just talk to an officer and say, Hey, I need advice. I have this going on. And then they get, you know, professional advice from an officer mm-hmm. who's going to know more about the laws than a citizen is.
0: Yeah. And I would imagine that that a lot can come from that visit, right? Absolutely. Uh, it, it might even engender communication between the neighbors or whatever. That oh my gosh, there's a police uh, police officer here. I better get out there and explain and what's going on. And they yep. might find some area of agreement.
8: Yeah, our, our presence is step one in <laughs> in our levels of force. You know, our presence is known and. People respond differently.
0: There is something about the uniform, you know. There is. <laughs> there, there really is. And I'm sure that that's something you learn in the academy, right, is, mm-hmm. is the power of the uniform itself uh, to be able to, uh, uh, to, to have an impact on what may be happening in, in a certain situation.
7: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to note, too, that authority. Whitney mentioned earlier about police are so well-trained in de-escalation mm-hmm. and just showing up and they're calm and they get people to talk, it 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 helps so much.
0: Yeah. You bet. All right, let's get Larry on the line. Larry, thanks for holding, sir. You are on Talk Back with Whitney Bennett. Go ahead, please.
12: Good morning. Congratulations, Whitney, on your new position. Thanks, Larry. And, I appreciate uh, that. I have a uh, couple questions for you. One, uh, the late uh, Don Milhouse and Doug Chase were always advocates of uh, – being out and walking a beat and uh, getting to know the people in their area of responsibility so they could diffuse situations because they knew the people that were involved and knew a little bit about who was who could be dangerous and who was pretty harmless and uh anymore i do we still have those kind of beats and uh patrols and if you could also uh discuss how the uh, enforcement of the city is set up? Do they have precincts in areas and how many people are on patrols and how many people, uh, how many areas of uh, uh, subdivisions do they have uh, responsibility for?
0: That's a very good question, Larry. Both
8: of them are very good questions. I'll start with the second one. So as far as kind of how we split up the city, we we have We have multiple units on shift and we have, you know, the different shifts. We've got a morning crew, afternoon crew, mid crew, and then a night crew. And then we're on, you know, kind of a rotating schedule as far as the the days go. So we always have officers on. The majority of those officers respond either a north area or south area. We try to divide up the town to make it kind of equal We've tried a few different things, and this seems to work the best because then you have your partners that you're typically zoned with, and you can learn how to work with them better. Um, I can't give exact numbers because it always changes, and sometimes we're short-staffed, but, you know, it's call-to-call, and we've got some busy patrol officers. We, uh, as far as...
0: Well, well, <laughs> the, <laughs> well I, I, I will say this. I so. uh, it, I would... it, uh, go, go ahead, Larry. I'm sorry. What was your first question again? Yeah.
4: Well,
12: beats and uh, people getting to know their area of responsibility, especially in the downtown area where you have a lot of concern about transients and homeless, and uh, protecting the local business folks there.
0: And there are downtown resource officers, yeah, right? Yeah.
8: So we have our bid officers down there. Um, you know, right now we have one gal, who Officer Hardin, who who covers that area, and we did have Officer. Gillhouse, who he did an exceptional job, and then there was officer, or I'm sorry, he's corporal now, Corporal Berger, and he did excellent as well. And they built those those connections with the businesses, and then some of the, you know, homeless citizens as well. And they did excellent jobs. They were able to connect with them and communicate with them better than, you know, let's say an officer showed up who didn't know these individuals and didn't have that rapport with them. They're going to react differently.
12: Yeah. and uh, Well, it's a difficult job, and I appreciate all you folks that uh, do it every day. So,
8: thanks. Thank you, and I appreciate you.
0: All right, Larry, thanks for the call, my friend. We're going to come right back. Uh, all the lines are open now. 721-1290 is our number. Again, our guest here in the studio is Whitney Bennett. She's the new public information officer for the Missoula Police Department. We're learning a lot about uh, the inner workings of the department. Thanks to Whitney, and Ginny Miriam's also here. If you have a question or a comment or... If you have a comment you can't call in right now, use the KGVO app. Hit the message us button. We'll be happy to shoot that right over to, uh, to Whitney and uh, let her answer that. So we're coming right back to wrap up uh, this edition of City Talk right after this. Okay, we're back on Talk Back. I'm Peter Christian, by the way. That's Nick Christensen over there waiting to take your phone calls, producing Talk Back every day. Ginny Miriam is the communications director for the city, and Whitney Bennett is here in the studio. Just kind of piggybacking on what Larry said. Um, if you look at the cop shows, right, uh, like Law and Order, uh, many of these guys uh, and, and ladies have, have various beats in downtown, and they know the people that they're regularly in contact with, but that's a very large city situation. In Missoula, uh, do they change them out? How, how does that work?
8: Yeah, and actually, I've seen a huge increase from when, I've, when I started working, as you know, we had our unfortunately regular clientele that we would, <laughs> you know, have contact with, sure. and then you know, the next year you kind of see a shift, and then by now I'm just—it's—it's it's larger.
0: You're out of There's, the loop now, right? Yeah.
8: Uh, sometimes, sometimes I feel out of the loop. I'm like, sure. wait, who is that individual? It's right, like, right. They're right. like, you haven't had contact yet. Mm-hmm. Nope.
0: Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. And and so so that that way, when when you have some at least a little bit of knowledge of the individual, you you don't go into it. Blind. You, you, you have a little bit of a history there to deal with.
8: Yeah. And that rapport is so important because it it shows that as officers, we do care and that we are human. And we're we're not just there to enforce the law, but we're there for everybody's well-being.
1: You could, could you talk a little bit about the importance of like the mobile support team and the crisis intervention team, too? Because those are new and we've talked to those folks, but I know that they've been a huge Resource and help to officers in some of those situations where you do talk about like de-escalating situations like that, right?
8: Absolutely. I mean, they are the mental health care professionals. (laughs) Mm -hmm. There, you know, there's a social worker, there's EMS, there's, you know, there's the they have their mobile support team, and there's been many times that I've been able to de-escalate situations, but they they're the next step. They're able to provide those next step resources and connect them with providers and and get them to where they need to be rather than, I'm not a healthcare professional. I, I can do the best I can to help support people who are having a mental health crisis, but they are they're incredible, those teams.
0: All right, let's get uh, Al on the line. Al, good morning. You're on with Whitney Bennett. Go ahead, please.
5: Oh, you just
4: mentioned a little bit ago about, uh, I think you said, uh, the cop on the beat, getting to know the business owners. What comes to my mind is our governor Gianforte. I think it was last summer. He took a tour through the Fish and Game Department building over in uh, Helena, <laughs> Helena, and uh, one of the employees said he had worked there for 20 some years. First time he'd ever seen a governor come through. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so uh, let's talk let's talk about chief white i mean Mm -hmm. uh, obviously he's been here for a couple of years now yep i've got his feet on the ground from california highway patrol uh uh, you know experience the years of experience there yes what's he like to work for i i I know he's a good guy i've interviewed him many times and he's he's, he seems like a very very capable man
8: very and, and very knowledgeable and that comes with all the experience to hear some stories of you know where he comes from and what he's done, and then bringing that experience to Missoula and helping us grow—it's—it's it's incredible, and I do enjoy working with him, and I'm mm-hmm. excited for my future working in the department with him. You bet, as my chief.
1: Oh, uh, go ahead. Nick. <laughs> yeah, we we only have what about three three minutes yep. left or so. I'm just curious what your goals are as the new PIO because obviously, uh, Travis was in that position for what, Jenny, like almost 30 years, it feels like, something well, crazy. Seven. Se- seven as a PIO. Yes, but yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, L- Lydia did it for a few years, um, and they've kind of you know laid the foundation. But is there anything that you want to continue that maybe they worked on or anything that you think you can bring new to the table for the position?
8: Well, I mean, they, they set a good foundation. I just want to be able to communicate the best I can. And I know I kind of touched base on some of my goals and just – doing the best I can, in the position. Um, A second job title I have along with public information officer is crime prevention. So I do have my hands full. I'm also going into that realm, which includes a lot a lot of other tasks, so
0: that that I would imagine that would include uh, you know uh, educational services mm-hmm. to businesses, things like that, right?
8: Exactly, exactly. And I just uh, finished up a training in crime prevention through environmental design, and that's going to help me talk to businesses and better educate their employees on different crimes and how to prevent crimes. And then there's some some other little tasks in the crime prevention title. So,
0: so are you, are you enjoying yourself?
8: I am. I am. I'm still getting my feet on the ground, but. This job is very rewarding in any, any of these specialties positions within the department.
0: Well, we'll do our best not to pester you too, too hard.
8: <laughs> Perfect. I appreciate that.
0: Well, <laughs> go for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> there, there, there's a the guy you have to deal with right over there, Mr. Nick. So, uh, okay, so we have about uh, two minutes left. Uh, let's wrap up. Uh, let, where do you go from here? I mean, I mean, you're leaving, you're going back to work. So, are there various things that you have to do today? What are your daily duties?
8: So actually, today is my day off. Oh, no. Nice. <laughs> so here I am. So we're, it. we're no, it for you. No, I, I enjoy this. No, so the job is 24-7. Um, you know, if I get a call on my work cell, it's that's my job. That's what I signed up for. Um, typically, when I go to the office when I'm in and working, it's, you know, I get down on the computer and I I sort through emails and voicemails. And if I had missed anything over the weekend, you know, I look at crime reports and And keep myself up to date on who was arrested over the weekend or that day or the night before and then I'll try to throw something on Facebook or manage some of the social media Um, and then I get into my crime prevention portion of the day which is sorting through Crime Stoppers tips and saying who wants to come in and tour the department. I believe next week I have a gal coming in who has some Cub Scouts that want to check out the police and and come and say hi so I'll I'll be facilitating that.
0: That has to be delightful fun.
8: It is. Whenever you get to deal with kids, it's just great.
0: Okay. <laughs> and it's nice. I, I see it all the time on the Facebook page when people, hey, thanks for delivering pizza to our overnight guys. for thanks, thanks for bringing cookies, all that kind of stuff. We
8: appreciate that. Um, except those donuts. We don't. We need to stay fit. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We we appreciate anything. You know, we don't. We never expect anything, and so right. it, it is. It is nice when we have that recognition from the the public and society.
0: It's been a pleasure getting to know you. Thank Thank you. Thanks, Thanks, Peter. And and, and best of luck. Thank you. Stay safe. What's coming up on Monday's fabulous program, Mr. Nick? Uh, We're going to talk about the
1: fire and ice hockey game from 830 to 9. And then uh, more law enforcement. Lieutenant Sean Manrax is going to join us for a full hour we're going to talk about. Drug bust, the fentanyl crisis, and a whole bunch of stuff with him. So still more law enforcement. Watch out for the storm. Please be careful out there. We'll see you Monday
0: morning at 6.